the track of a serial killer by Mark Lerner. After nearly 30 years, the Dutch diplomat was determined to see justice done. Herman Nippenberg was enjoying his first day of retirement in Wellington, New Zealand, when the phone rang. Your old friend Charles Sobraj has been arrested, the caller told the former deputy chief of mission at the Dutch embassy in Wellington. Charles Sobraj, Nippenberg stammered. Where? In Kathmandu, his friend said, reading aloud a newspaper account of Sobraj's arrest on September 19, 2003, in connection with murders committed nearly 30 years before. Nippenberg put down the phone, his mind flashing back to February 1976, when a letter arrived on his desk at the Dutch Embassy in Bangkok. It was from a J.L. Zandt in Amsterdam about his sister-in-law, Cornelia Cocky Hempke, 25, and her boyfriend, Henricus Henk Bintanja, 29. As we have not heard from them for six weeks, the letter read, we are seriously worried. Zand said the couple had written weekly during their nine-month journey across Asia, but then failed to send either Christmas cards or birthday greetings to Cocky's mother and sister. In the couple's last letter, posted in Hong Kong on December 8, 1975, they said they planned to fly to Bangkok and travel to Chiang Mai in northern Thailand. They asked that letters be sent to the Chiang Mai post office. They also mentioned meeting a gem dealer, a French citizen of Indo-Vietnamese descent, who offered to let them stay at his Bangkok flat. Nippenberg, a 31-year-old junior diplomat, just months into his first foreign posting, was determined to solve the mystery of his missing countrymen. Little did he know that it would bind him for nearly 30 years to one of Asia's most notorious serial killers. A charismatic conman, Sabraj lived near Bangkok's sleazy Patpong red light district. His fifth-floor flat in Cannet House had become a gathering place for young foreigners looking for a place to crash. Introducing himself as Elaine Gautier, one of his many pseudonyms, Sobraj entranced them with his palm readings, karate skills and tales of his exploits as a gem trader. Sobraj didn't mention that he had spent years in prisons in Afghanistan, France, Greece, India and Iran for a series of robberies, druggings, jewel heists, car thefts and immigration violations. When Cocky and Henk arrived at the Bangkok airport on December 11, 1975, they were met by Alain Gautier. At his insistence, they gave up plans to stay at a cheap hotel and accompanied him to his flat, where they met his French-Canadian girlfriend, Marie-André Leclerc. He offered his guests tablets, he said would ward off the dysentery and diarrhoea common among travellers in Southeast Asia. In fact, it is believed the pills were laced with laxatives and heavy sedatives, and that by mid-morning, Cocky and Henk were suffering from stomach cramps and debilitating fatigue. Then it is suspected that four days after their arrival, Sobraj and an Indian accomplice named A.J. Chowdhury dragged them into an old Toyota and drove them to a deserted road where Henk was strangled and Cocky was clubbed on the head. Petrol was then dumped on their still-breathing bodies and set alight. In the following days, Sobraj cashed the couple's traveller's cheques. Cocky and Henk weren't the first visitors to die after meeting Sobraj and Chowdhury. Three months earlier, Sobraj had befriended French businessman André Bruno, whose drowned body was discovered in a Chiang Mai hotel bathtub. In October, 
Sobraj met Therese Knowlton from Seattle. Her partially clad body washed up on a beach near Patea. In late November, the burnt body of Vitaly Hakim, a Turkish national, was found on the golf course of the Siam Country Club in Chonburi. And just days before Cocky and Henk were murdered, the body of Stéphane Parry, a 24-year-old Frenchwoman, was found in a creek bed south of Patea. Just before Christmas, Sobraj and Leclerc travelled to Nepal, their photos pasted into the passports of Cocky and Henk. There, Sobraj met Connie Jo Bronzich from California and Laurent Carrière from Manitoba. The couple's charred bodies were later found in the foothills outside Kathmandu. With their passports and money in hand, Sobraj returned to Bangkok. When Nippenberg checked with the post office in Chiang Mai in February 1976, he found a bundle of unclaimed letters. Thai immigration records showed Cocky and Henk had arrived in Bangkok on December 11, but the Malaysia Hotel, listed as their intended place of residence, had no record of them. Unknown to Nippenberg, a French neighbour of Sobraj in Bangkok had also been asking about the couple's disappearance. Nadine Gyres was beginning to find the activities in Sobraj's flat unusual. Of the dozen or more young foreigners who came to visit, more than half seemed to end up bedridden or had disappeared altogether. Then on December 20, she was approached by two French men who were minding the flat while Sobraj was in Nepal. They were in a panic. I'm convinced he murdered the Dutch couple, one of the men told Gyres. He had woken one night to see Sobraj and Chowdhury carrying the semi-conscious couple to a car. When he saw a picture in the Bangkok Post of the burnt bodies of two foreigners, he feared the worst. The Frenchmen showed Gyres a stack of passports belonging to foreigners kept in a safe in the flat. Later, Gyres returned to the flat, where she found Hank's diary. Frightened, she confided in a French businessman who told an acquaintance at the British Embassy. The sceptical British official wrote a memo to the Thai police, but they didn't follow up. On February 16, 1976, Nippenberg received a call from Paul Siemens at the Belgian Embassy. Are you missing any people, Siemens inquired. Why do you ask, Nippenberg said. Siemens told him a tale making the rounds about a mixed-blood Frenchman who lures tourists to his flat and murders them. Acting on a hunch, Nippenberg called on the Thai police to inquire if the identity of the murdered couple found on the road in December had ever been confirmed. It hadn't. The bodies were still in the morgue. On March 3, Nippenberg went to the morgue with Cockies and Hank's dental records and a Dutch dentist who had volunteered to help. Their teeth matched the x-rays from Amsterdam, she said. Nippenberg's part of the investigation was complete when he cabled the foreign ministry in The Hague with the grim news. But haunted by images of the burnt bodies, he sorely wanted the killer brought to justice. Nippenberg and Paul Siemens tracked down Nadine Gyres, who said she believed her neighbour had murdered several foreigners. Nippenberg wrote a report for the Thai police, and at his urging they raided the apartment on March 11. Sobraj gave police yet another false name. He, Leclerc and A.J. Chowdhury were taken in for questioning, but soon slipped away into Malaysia. Nippenberg heard rumours they had bribed their way to freedom. Told by Thai police that Sobraj's escape had ended their interest in the case, Nippenberg organised his own inspection of Sobraj's home. He, Gyres and Siemens entered the flat on March 27. 
they found handcuffs that had apparently been used to bind victims to their beds. The wooden posts on the guest room beds showed signs of struggle. Jaya's realised that the cries she had heard from the flat in earlier weeks must have been screams of agony. In the kitchen, they found diarrhoea medicine, which proved to be laced with strychnine. They carefully collected evidence, including Cocky's handbag, Hank's postal checks, a book belonging to Teresa Knowlton, and other items belonging to Sobraj's alleged victims. Nippenberg put together a 200-page report tying together the evidence he had gathered. The Nippenberg file made the rounds of Bangkok's embassies. To put pressure on the Thai police, Nippenberg leaked details to the Bangkok Post, which resulted in a series of front-page stories beginning on May 7. Goaded into action by the publicity, Thai police put Interpol on the case. In Quebec, Canadian police questioned Leclerc's mother, who provided contact details for Sobraj's Vietnamese mother in Marseille. On May 19, French Interpol sent an urgent cable to Interpol Thailand, stating that Sobraj was under an indictment in France and might have taken the identity of Alain Gautier. The following day, Bangkok police issued an international warrant for Sobraj, Leclerc and Chowdhury for the murders of Cocky Hempke, Hank Batanja, Vitali Hakim, Theresa Knowlton and Stefan Parry. Over the next six weeks, the case again hit a dead end. Sobraj and Leclerc had moved to New Delhi. In June, Sobraj befriended a group of 60 French tourists, but he miscalculated the dosage of crushed sleeping pills and laxatives he slipped into capsules he gave the group at dinner one night. Instead of returning to their rooms and passing out, some began collapsing in the hotel restaurant. A police deputy superintendent responding to an emergency call recognised Sobraj, who four years earlier had escaped after being arrested for a jewellery heist. Sobraj was taken to jail. Leclerc followed the next day. The French tourists recovered, but a young French traveller whom Sobraj had drugged days before died in hospital. Charged and tried for this murder and the January 1976 murder of an Israeli tourist in Varanasi, Sobraj was sentenced to 10 years in prison and Leclerc 8. Chowdhury was never arrested and disappeared without a trace. Nippenberg was gratified that Sobraj and Leclerc were in jail, even if they hadn't been called to account for the murders in Thailand. In any case, the arrest warrant issued in Thailand for the murders of the Dutch couple and other backpackers would not expire until December 1995. He sent his Sobraj files to the Netherlands for safekeeping. Sobraj escaped towards the end of his term, only to be recaptured weeks later. Ten years were added to his sentence. In prison, the ever-enterprising criminal sold the book and movie rights to his life story. The money brought jailhouse privileges, including visits from girlfriends. Leclerc was released on parole in 1982 and died of cancer later that year. Sobraj was released in 1997, 15 months after the Thai arrest warrants expired. Six years later, Sobraj was arrested in Kathmandu for the murders of Connie Jo Bronzich and Laurent Carrier. Nippenberg followed the developments from retirement. When he saw Sobraj quoted saying that he had never visited Nepal before and thus couldn't be responsible for the murders, he thanked God that he had hung on to the yellowing pages of evidence. They proved Sobraj had been in Nepal on several occasions, including December 1975, when the murders took place. What's more, 
He had transcripts of the police statements Sabraj and Leclerc had made in New Delhi in 1976, in which they acknowledged travelling to Nepal on forged Dutch passports. The final nail in the coffin was that Sabraj had travelled back to Bangkok on Carrier's passport. From his cartons of evidence, Nippenberg supplied copies of the Bangkok airport arrival and departure cards filled out by Sabraj masquerading as Carrier, as well as the airline passenger lists he had acquired years before. He also provided a copy of a forged passport Sabraj had used to flee Nepal after the 1975 murders. The information gave the Nepalese authorities all they needed to hold Sobraj for trial for Bronzich's murder. Charges were withdrawn in the Carrier case because officials couldn't locate the original files. As the case wound its way through the Nepalese court, Nippenberg revealed another damning piece of evidence, an eyewitness account from David Wilmoth, an Australian who sat next to Sobraj on a Christmas Eve 1975 flight between Bangkok and Kathmandu. When the guilty verdict was handed down on August 12, 2004, Sobraj was given a life sentence for the murder of Connie Jo Bronzich. A Dutch reporter interviewing Sobraj in jail asked what he thought of Nippenberg. I've never met Herman Nippenberg, he replied. I don't know what the man has against me. What do I have against him, Nippenberg said later. My motive was always to see justice done. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Readers Digest Australia. Narration by Zoe Mernier. Sound production by Ricky Price.